Welcome back. You're listening to WTMJ. I, I'm fascinated about COVID. We haven't talked about it in a while, but long COVID is something that a lot of people are talking about in, in terms of all these different things that are happening to people after they've had COVID. And we have great guests today. He always is a great guest. President Lovell, Mike Lovell from Marquette University. Welcome. Thank you. And I want to make sure I get this correct because you have a long title. I'm only going to read it once, though. From Marquette, Dr. Sandra Hunter, professor in the Exercise Science Program, Department of Physical Therapy, and a director of the Athletic and Human Performance Research Center at Marquette University. Welcome to you. Thank you. It's great to be here. And everyone will recognize you have an Australian accent. I do. So, and I love that. I was just telling you, I was From watching Sydney. a show the other day. From Sydney. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, doctor, I'm going to start with you. So obviously everybody has gone through the COVID experience, the pandemic. We're still trying to sort out these things. You look into the research associated with COVID and long COVID, mm-hmm. even working with the first reported case in the state. Is that correct? Correct. So how, how, how did that happen? Well, you know, back when the pandemic occurred and we all thought it was going to last about three months, and to be honest, I thought when I first started this study... We'll be back to normal by the fall. Yeah, absolutely. Is this a big waste of my time? Right. Um, In April, I was thinking, what are the long-term effects of COVID? My niece in Australia got it. She was a singer. I I was wondering what was happening to her lungs and what could we do at Marquette, given the amazing facilities we have in the Athletic and Human Performance Research Centre, that we could capitalise on this. So... By October, after research had started to um, re-emerge um, at Marquette, we started a study where we brought in people who'd had COVID um, at least two to three months out after they'd had COVID and um, also controls, people who hadn't had COVID. Now, this was at a time before vaccines were around. Um, we also we extended this study for about a year and a half and we managed to test about 130 people about 90 of those with um, COVID, or some had had COVID, and at least 40 or so that hadn't. And we really wanted the controls to compare these people to who'd had COVID to make sure that we're controlling for, you know, increased anxiety with the pandemic, um, loss of activity with the pandemic, and it wasn't just a pandemic issue. We really wanted to nail down what were the effects so of what, COVID. So what did your research show you? Well, we were, we looked at things like physical function and cognitive function. We threw everything at the wall that we could imagine because we didn't know the types of tests that we should be uh, assessing, but we measured lung function, uh, aerobic fitness, um, strength, uh, with, you know, so to determine whether someone had weakness, pain, um, cognitive function to determine if uh, anxiety, a whole bunch of different uh, studies. We also interviewed people to determine whether the lived experience, so we could sort of capture that, which you can't often capture with um, physical function tests. And what we found is that of the 90 or so people that had COVID, 56% of them, predominantly women, still had some sort of symptom that was associated with COVID and that some sort of, um, you know, whether it be fatigue, uh, loss of taste. And this was, we had people eight months out on average who were still experiencing some of these symptoms um, of long COVID. Is there a, is a, a more common symptom that you saw amongst your patient group? Yeah, uh, fatigue was probably the prominent one. Also loss of uh, concentration, ability to concentrate. 
So how did that manifest? Like when they were just reading or? Yeah, they forget things, um, can't hold concentration for a while. Also exercise intolerance. So we exercised these people and determined, you know, what was their heart rate at certain um, um, certain workloads. And we found heart rates were elevated, their ability to take in oxygen. They, had, they, uh, they, had, they uh, needed more oxygen. Um, for a given workload, which was highly unusual, so at the moment now, or oh, they also they also um, experience more pain during movement. So, and some, you know, it was a real dichotomy. Some people got better, and it was as if nothing had happened. But what we've just been able to tease out is that as those people who were more severely affected in the acute phase of COVID that were most affected. So, by more COVID. serious symptoms. In active COVID, have Correct. more things going on yeah. later. And the CDC um, is now showing that. They're also showing that people with long COVID, those who are most susceptible, are not only those who had the most severe symptoms to begin with, and particularly those who were hospitalised, um, but also those people who um, had some sort of underlying condition, such as diabetes or heart disease, and also the unvaccinated. So they're the ones that are suffering long COVID. And President Lovell, I know you, you guys love doing research at Marquette. It's what you're known for, and, and including external research. So from what I understand, you've doubled the, um, the investment in that kind of research. Why is that so important to Marquette and, and to, frankly, all of us? Yeah, well, first of all, <clears throat> research is a real differentiator for Marquette. Among the 27 Jesuit schools, we're, we're second you know, in the amount of research that we do. And, it, and it's important for several reasons. First, uh, like... Dr. Hunter here, it helps us attract the best faculty from across the country to come to Marquette. And uh, it also, which helps our overall reputation, it also provides a, a really a high-impact experience for our students. So many of our undergraduate students do undergraduate research, and we know the correlation between a four-year graduation rate and, and doing undergraduate research is the highest you know, among all activities students can do. And finally, uh, as you're hearing from Dr. Hunter, we really want uh, to be able to make an impact on society, helping solve the biggest problems facing challenges, whether it be COVID, whether it be uh, cancer, whether it be diabetes, whether it be MS. You know, we're doing research that is going to impact the lives, hopefully, uh, for decades to come of individuals. President Mike Lovell from Marquette joining us, also Dr. Sandra Hunter. We talked about COVID. What's some of the other stuff, the cool cutting-edge stuff you're working on in your research? research? Well, I've just uh, landed a couple of large grants with some of my colleagues at Marquette. One is on ageing. Um, that's been funded by the National Institute of Health and also another one on pre-diabetes. But as Dr. Lovell was saying, you know, we, we're trying to address some of the most pressing problems and certainly ageing with an ageing population is one of them and also pre-diabetes. Um, these grants, we're, we're, the problems we're trying to address are why do older people um, fatigue more quickly, um, particularly in their leg muscles. You know, it affects daily life, getting out of a chair, getting upstairs, being able to exercise. And also one of the um, things we found is that people with prediabetes. Now, prediabetes, really crazy stuff. It's the precursor to diabetes. And a third of adult Americans have prediabetes. 80% of them don't know they have it. And what we found is that people with pre-diabetes, you know, elevated blood glucose levels, um, our diet doesn't help, the American diet or the Western diet, a third of adult Americans have pre-diabetes, that precursor to diabetes. And it's at a stage when it can be uh, stopped from progressing to diabetes, where there's a lot of medications required. 
Um, and 80% of people who have prediabetes don't know that they have it. So this is a real opportunity. So what we're doing at Marquette with National Institute of Health funding yet again is to try and understand why people with prediabetes fatigue more quickly. And one of the measures we're looking at is to um, exercise uh, both older people and people with prediabetes and to see you know, the protective effects of exercise, particularly strength training. Um, and some of the um, there's, there's a new technique called blood flow restriction, uh, which is used in a lot of clinics now. And we're looking at the effectiveness of that on people with prediabetes and also older adults. Let's do this. Let's take a break. I'm fascinated by our conversation with uh, President Mike Lovell from Marquette, Dr. Sandra Hunter, talking about long COVID and other important areas of research. You're listening to WTMJ. Welcome back. We're talking to Dr. Sandra Hunter, professor in the exercise science program at Marquette, and of course, President Mike Lovell. So when you talk about things like diabetes, Mm. obviously you're researching what happens to the human body when you're suffering from that. How much of that is on us? Because I, I was talking to a doctor on the show not too long ago. So there's our behavior versus what science and technology can do. So what, they're both important. Do we, we can't just rely on science technology. We also have to, as human beings, step up and acknowledge these, these behaviors aren't working for us. Is there research Absolutely. being done on that piece of it? Yeah, yeah. Talk and that's that part of what bit. we do. You know, the cornerstone treatment of diabetes is diet and exercise. And there's a reason why diabetes and prediabetes has become a huge thing. Anyone born after 2000 um, is very likely to get diabetes, like at least a third will progress to get type diabetes. And that's because of our diet and our lack of exercise. We become so sedentary and um, our, the diet, you know, full of sugars and fats. Um, so, yeah, behaviour is huge, and that is the predominant way to battle or at least prevent prediabetes and diabetes. So science can certainly try and help, and medicine can help treat it, but um, it's much better to do the behavioural things that we need to do to try and prevent it. Yeah, that's really the point of my question, because we have all this great science and technology and cures, sort of, mm. but if we don't step up, we're in this weird period where we, we can't solve these things. Absolutely. It's kind yeah. of like the vaccine for COVID. Unless you're willing to get the vaccine, you put yourself at risk yeah. to get COVID and potentially, if, they, if we believe what the vaccine folks tell us, dying in a hospital somewhere. Yeah. So that that is always the interesting part for yeah, me. Yeah, and you've got to be intentional about it because it takes effort. We get busy. We're at computers. We've got our phones. We're sitting down hunching over them. And... Um, You've just you've got to be intentional about exercise and diet. It actually takes effort to do those things well. Yes, and we all we all can benefit from that. So I know part of the the interesting thing about Marquette is the great people that work there, but the facilities, the buildings matter as well. And I, I wanted you, President Level, to kind of talk about some of the new things that are happening there, including in in these areas. Yeah, and one of the things we're very very proud of is the Athletic and Human Performance Research Center that we brought on a couple of years ago, and we really build around some of the strengths of the people on the campus to build so people like uh, Dr. Hunter, previously uh, Dr. Bob Fitz, uh, and it's allowed us to not only do great research, but also attract great people. And uh, we have a new faculty member who just came aboard, Jacob Cabin. 
his just it amazing. And he specifically said he came to Marquette because of this facility uh, that we have in place. And as you heard from Santa, we are now garnering you know multi million dollar federal grants because the research is happening in the facility. And in, in terms of reputation, I was just in there a few weeks ago. I was giving actually, ironically, I was giving my friend from high school's son and him a tour. I mean, he was he was he was in town. My friend was in town for the national speed skating championships because his son's a national speed skater. Right. And we were in the HPRC, and lo and behold. We not only run into the head of the speed skating, but we run into the head of the U.S. Olympic weightlifting team. And the team was actually in there. And I asked him, well, why are you here? He says, because you can do things and measure things and do research that nowhere else in the country can do. Wow. That's not a bad thing. (laughs) It's fantastic. It's a fantastic facility. And Dr. Lovell is uh, absolutely spot on. You know, we've been able to attract really first-class faculty as a result. We have so many studies going on in the um, Athletic and Human Performance Research Centre. So we have a a research space, about 5,500 square feet that's devoted to that. And then there's obviously the training facilities and the offices and some locker rooms for the athletes. Uh, But it's a really unique situation because often they're really siloed, you know, academia and research and and, um, athletics. They're very siloed on a lot of campuses, but this is really unique. Now, as a result, we've actually been able to partner with some of the athletes. We do a lot of testing within the uh, research facility, the research um, area on the athletes. We do strength testing on them. But we also do um, testing on people, not only on the elite and the student athletes, but on clinical populations. Because the vision that we created when we first created this facility was um, that we're really committed to transforming lives by optimising athletic and human performance across all ages and abilities. Because that, you know, that's 99% of us. Uh, we want to optimise performance of the person who's just had a stroke and they optimise their ability to get across the street. Um, optimise the performance of someone who's just been diagnosed with diabetes or cancer. And so some of the studies that we have going on in the AHPRC is um, African-American prostate cancer survivors. We're partnering with the medical college on that. Um, as Dr Lovell um, mentioned, Jacob Capen, who's looking at at mid-career athletes, um, you know, down the road, they've gone out, they're out of college, and now they're suffering all these injuries. And what's their health like? And sometimes it's not fantastic. And so he's been able to um, really uh, try and understand, he's starting a whole bunch of projects um, looking at that. We're looking at one of the really cool projects that we've just got funding for from the National Institute of Health is a project to understand the effect of exercise in helping kids with speech and communication disorders. And that's from someone from speech therapy who's um, partnering with myself and a couple of other exercise physiologists. Because I threw out at the, the idea, well, if we can help people with cognitive decline with exercise um, and their brain um, function, why can't we help kids who are still developing with these speech disorders and their brain development and why can't exercise help them? Because usually a lot of these kids who have these speech disorders, these communication disorders, are really, they don't exercise much. Um, so we're doing one of those cutting edge uh, studies um, through the National Institute of Health. There's, there's a whole uh, array of different studies that we're doing. Amazing stuff. I was going to ask you if you utilize that for the success of your basketball programs, men or women's, because yeah. they're doing out, you know, fantastic. Yeah, year. no, we're having great years, but no, they actually, both in terms of um, 
if preventing injury in terms of recovering faster from injury for, for these players. Um, you know, the, the scans they can provide, you know, the, actually the, all the data that they generate because they wear chips and everything that they do. And so we know their workloads and we can predict when they should take a day off or when they should only do a walkthrough rather than a full practice. It's really, it's really amazing. A fun one to kind of wrap up. <clears throat> you both run triathlons. Love them. <laughs> Seriously. Hate I've, them while I've, we're doing them. In my them. earlier days, I ran marathons. I don't do it now. But, oh, my I mean, word. Tell That's me about, hard. I mean, I, obviously, I know President Lovell's been here a bunch of times and talked about that, but what what's the interest there? Uh I used to be a physical education teacher. Really? It's always been in my blood. But I just did an indoor triathlon yesterday. Tell and, me tell me what that is. Uh, that's a triathlon. You know, you can do them in Wisconsin because it's, it's – you, uh, you have to do them indoors. Right. So you swim for 10 minutes and you – like how many laps can you do? So a condensed version. Yeah, very condensed. And then you ride for – you know, 20 minutes and then run for 10 minutes on a treadmill, uh, 15 minutes on a treadmill, and it's like you add up all the scores. And, um, so what does that do for you? I mean, you're, you're an uh, academic, but you're also a triathlete. Yeah, it's a really great distraction. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. I love the training. Uh, I love the community that um, is around the triathletes and the um, – yeah, there's a great community of uh, triathletes around here in Milwaukee, yeah. and it's just great to. And we mentioned Jacob Capen. Oh, he's yeah. also uh, he's a national level triathlete as well. So he there's is. a club here. Yeah. There's one point in my life I would have aspired to that, but uh, I think that yeah. point's over. But you never know, especially with research like yours. Yeah. Uh, pleasure as always, oh. President Mike Lovell Thanks from Marquette us. University, Dr. Sandra Hunter, professor in the Exercise Science <laughs> Program. Fascinating stuff. Exactly. We went long, but I mean, this stuff just interests me like crazy and. Uh, especially in the long COVID thing. I mean, yeah. what's the, just really quickly, 30 seconds or less. I mean, are we moving in the right direction? Are we understanding long COVID? Yeah, definitely. There's so much science being done behind it. And, you know, it kept being like, well, it's going to be ending three months. This is a big waste of time. But it's not. I mean, I looked at the stats today and three to 400 people died yesterday in the US from COVID. That's crazy. It is still with us. And um, we're looking at whether exercise can help. Dr. Sandra Hunter, President Mike Lovell, pleasure to talk to you as always. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. You're listening Thank to you. WTMJ.